Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, if you want to follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. A few weeks ago, we took the, my children to uh, the Nelson Atkins uh, Museum here in Kansas City. We, we were going to go get like coffee on the rooftop of Messenger, but it was raining. We couldn't do that. And then we made our way to, uh, I mean, we still got coffee, but we just looked out, sadly looked out the window, you know, uh, and, then, and then made our way to the Nelson. And, you know, we were walking around just enjoying some things. It was an interesting experience with my children. We can talk about some of those things later. But w- while we were there, we came across this painting, and I have a picture of it. It's a, 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 a popular one, a famous one, uh, I, I guess. Uh, this is Jerusalem, I guess, sounded dismissive. I just meant I don't know a lot about art, but I'm led to believe or understand that this is a significant painting um, that is well-loved. This is uh, Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives by Frederick Edwin Church, uh, painted in 1870. It's an oil on canvas, and uh, it's large in scale, though much of that is probably lost to you uh, here on the screen. But what I want to uh, ask you to think about with me as we step into a new series in the Gospel of Matthew, um, is not so much the picture, although it is beautiful, but uh, what I found interesting was um, what the docent told us about the frame. So I also have a picture uh, of the frame here, which again, it gets lost in in the image here. But the artist in this, instance also designed and created the the frame. It was as much a part of this painting that he had done that he felt was uh, sort of a signature piece of his artistic uh, career and wanted it appropriately framed and he had designed the frame and and if you actually you can go back and look uh they talk about you'll, you'll see like videos and stuff online because they'll loan the painting out but they keep the frame and there'll just be an empty frame on on the wall uh, and, you know, there are artistic elements in the frame that sort of connected to the image he was conveying in his painting of Jerusalem. And you're thinking, why? It's like, you know, negative something degrees. I'm at church. I didn't like art history as a student. Why? Why is this why I came out? And the answer is yes, this is why. And uh, we're, we're just, I thought, you know, we could just look at some other, no, I, I won't do that. Um, but here's, here's the reason I draw you into this uh, picture here. Um, and you, we can move on from that one. The reason is uh, because I want to suggest to you, I, I, I think it's just, and it's interesting, I suppose, at least to me, um, to think about the way in which we frame our understanding of, of Jesus, who he is, the experiences you've had in your own faith and church, like all, all kinds of things sort of um, come into the picture and, and frame the way we understand and are frame our experience of Jesus. And I want us to hear Matthew's gospel 
over these next weeks uh, in that way, that Matthew gives us a portrait of, of Jesus. Right? He, he, he's going to take uh, the life of Christ and, and give us a portrait of that life, and he, he's going to frame it. Right, the way in which he will tell the story uh, in, in, in a beautiful way will draw our attention to aspects of who Jesus is. And this morning's story is, is a part of that. And so as we step into the story in the weeks ahead, as you maybe sit, maybe it's something you read through during this season. We're just going to kind of move through some of the opening chapters of Matthew's gospel. And maybe it's a place you want to go back to and, and revisit we won't look at all of it, but, but we'll pick up elements of the story here. But to hear it in a way, what is Matthew drawing my attention to as I look at Jesus? As I look at Jesus. We were, um, yeah, we, we were sitting around the dinner table one night recently, and uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened. One of my children was being loud, which if you know my family, maybe that's surprising to you. I don't think we're a loud family, but one of my children can be very loud. And we were just talking, and she was kind of like playfully yelling at us, and Jess was like, why are you screaming? And we kind of chuckled, but what happened next was like lots of impersonations of each other around the table, you know? They're like, oh, this is what mommy sounds like, and, and then uh, some Penny's like, oh, do me, and then I, I was not soliciting such an, an impersonation. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it unsolicited one of my daughters does this little does the hand puppets which I knew I was in trouble immediately right and then she's like oh daddy Jesus this Jesus that right oh yeah he goes like yeah tell me about it right uh, so, uh which is to say I mean yes that's gonna be the story for the next few weeks it's Matthew's gospel for us Jesus this Jesus that, whatever this and that you've brought into the room this morning, whatever you've sort of brought into the picture, Matthew, uh, and I hope me, I, we here, you will just hear it again and again and again, Jesus this and Jesus that. And today we, we start with a, a moment in the story that is probably familiar to us, Jesus' baptism. Matthew jumps from his infancy and the experience of uh, the wise men, which we considered last week, coming to visit Jesus, and then he flees because Herod is off his rocker and insecure and grasping at power, and then his family returns, and then we, we pick up the story, and we've like jumped years ahead, and Jesus is going to be baptized. So I'm just going to make some observations about the story that I hope will prompt you and me to think about. Uh, sort of our frame of, of, of the portrait of Jesus. Who is he and what he looks like? And the first thing I think when we think about that frame in our, in our reading this morning, the first point I want to make is that seeing Jesus in Matthew's gospel in this instance starts with hearing John. All right, so seeing Jesus starts with hearing John the Baptist. You know John the Baptist, verse 13. Jesus, uh, we're told Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized. Well, in the preceding like 12 verses, we get this picture of a crazy wild man, right? Locusts and honey and, you know, in all the children's Bibles, my kids are always like, oh yeah, this guy, he was intriguing because he's crazy looking, right? And he's out in the wilderness, the desert, preaching a message and calling people to be baptized. And Matthew tells us, remarkably, that seeing Jesus starts with hearing John. And, and, and not just Matthew, actually. All of the Gospels place a bit of significance on this crazy man's voice, this voice in the wilderness, this radical figure. 
Verse 4 of chapter 3 says he's in a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and honey. It's just an incredible sort of image. And yet, this crazy man in the wilderness, we're told, uh, hearing what he has to say properly frames and shapes our, our vision of Jesus. And what does John say? Right, verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, when Isaiah said all those years ago, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John, crazy man, long hair, camel hair, all the things. He's in the wilderness and his voice is repeatedly calling people, repent, repent. Why? Because God is returning to his people. Make the road ready. Get ready. The king is returning. Get ready, right? His message is repent, prepare your heart and your life. Get ready. The king is is returning. And there are all sorts of images in this message and this portrayal of John in Matthew's gospel that help us hearing him to see Jesus. Isaiah uh, verse, chapter 40, verse 3, which is the passage he quotes, talks about preparing a road in the wilderness. It was a custom, right? You, when the king uh, was, was coming to visit perhaps the outlying towns or provinces, the ancient custom was to repair those roads to prepare for his visit. I don't know what a modern-day equivalent of that might be. We lived in Scotland for a year, and uh, my kids were uh, one, one. I had one on my back and one in an umbrella stroller. We just explored the city of Edinburgh, and it was a blast. And um, uh, this particular day, I was by myself, and we were out. We'd go out to, like, the public library. they do stuff for little children, and then we'd just kind of walk around. And we had gone to this library, sort of in the heart of the city, and we were coming back, and there were people everywhere, and the roads were, like, there were block blockades and policemen and people sort of gathering, and I'm like, what is going on? And finally, I just asked to the police officer, what, what, what is happening? Streets are being cleared, and he said, well, the queen is about to come out of this cathedral and process into this other parliamentary building. And I was like, wow, well, we're, we're going to see the queen. You know, my children won't remember it, but they'll tell everyone they met the queen of England, right? We, 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 and that's the closest thing I can think, right? There's this idea like, well, the king is coming. We got to clear the road and, and get ready. Maybe, maybe a chief's parade would have been a better analogy. I don't know. No? Okay. You're like, too soon. You can't do that, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, but uh, the, the feeling, right, that like John is in the desert preparing, like announcing, repent, prepare, clear the road. God is coming back to be with this people and this imagery of water and wilderness. I mean, these, are, these resonate with old stories in the people of God, the people of God wandering in the desert, crossing through the river, right, being freed from Exodus more than a 1,000 years before, headed into the promised land, across the Jordan, into the place God had promised for them. And now John is back in that river, in the Jordan, calling people into the water, to prepare their hearts. Hear, John, Matthew says. If you want to know, uh, see Jesus clearly, hear, John, the king is returning. God is coming again to be with you. Get ready. Make the roads ready. 
in Matthew's own context, right? The king has come, right? We, we heard it. It's, it's what drew the wise men. They're like, they show up to King Herod. Show us where we hear the king of the Jews has been born. Show us. And Herod in his insecurity, like this has disastrous implications for his grasp at power, for all sorts of people in the region. And power hungry and insecure, he reacts to this news. God is coming. The king is coming and his reaction is violent but his isn't the only reaction in the story that Matthew gives us about John as we hear him we we notice the reaction of someone else the reaction of the religious the righteous the religious leaders when the Pharisees when John saw the leaders Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized if he wasn't crazy enough already this should really sort of give us a clue his next words to them were you brood of vipers who warned you to flee what is coming? Uh, again, a remarkably sort of painful and incisive word. But it's, it's interesting to hear it, right? Matthew says, if you want to see Jesus here, John, John's call to repentance goes to all sorts of folks. But in this instance, his severest words are for the religious, the religious folks in his audience, those who pride themselves, their pride is rested in their heritage and their ancestry and their uh, expression of righteousness. John says, you, even you, are full of crooked roads. Even you are not ready for the king. Repent, he says. The king is returning. And I know, I know what all of you are thinking, I think. You're, you're, you're thinking in this moment, is Matt really going to make it through an entire point in this sermon about the return of the king and not once reference the Lord of the Rings? Not once, not one mention or allusion to Strider, the ranger from the north who looked nothing like a king and carried a broken sword whom no one expected but was himself Aragorn, the king returning. You're like, really, nothing. And I'm like, yes, I'm not even going to mention it once. You're thinking, who are you and what have you done with our pastor? It's a good question. We're going to move on what I want to invite all of us into this morning, the application, I think, of a move like this. Why Matthew would say, listen to John. If you want to see Jesus here, John, is because he does something to all of us. He shakes up our expectations. We all bring them, all of us. What do we expect God to look like, to do? What do we expect Jesus to be like in our own lives? What does he do? What will it look like for him to show up here? And we all sort of frame that in our own particular ways. And John's message is none of us are ready for that. None of us hear it this morning. But, but having heard John's message, if that's the first move, um, then, then the next sort of move we make here is having heard John, uh, we discover that we meet Jesus, verses 14 and 15 in our passage, John, um, Jesus is like, I'm here to be baptized. And John says, wait, wait, wait. Matthew tells us John would have prevented him. No, 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 no. You've got this backwards. I need to be baptized by you. Right? John is surprised. And, and we too, I think, having heard John's message, uh, even as it's intended to prepare us, what we find when Jesus shows up is with John, immediately we are surprised. Jesus is not who or what we expected. I mean, think about it like this, right? John has whipped up the crowds into a frenzy. Right? Get ready, get ready. God's coming. Blaze in glory. He's coming. Fire and axe, we're told, right? He is coming. Brood of vipers, look out. 
But what shows up? Jesus shows up in humility, comes to John and says, I'm here to be baptized by you. And John is horrified, right? John, John is horrified. Where is the wind and fire, <laughs> right? You're the one mightier than me. What, what, what is this nonsense? I, my mind went to like, uh, I think it was an interview with Stephen Colbert uh, of the, the Colbert Rapport and uh, the late, one of the late shows. I don't know which one, but I remember an interview with him where he talked about he would go out, you know, as, as is a custom, I think, in the trade and uh, do a, a routine with his audience to kind of uh, uh, to warm them up, to kind of know uh, what they would be like in the show. And he said he had the same two or three jokes. He would tell the same jokes each night. And based on the audience's reaction, he sort of knew what to expect when, 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 they, when they filmed the show. Like, were they, were they all in and laughing? Or were they, you know, like a hard audience to draw out? And, you know, the, maybe the roles have flipped here. John has sort of whipped the crowds into a frenzy. I mean, he has got them ready for an incredible display of God's power. And what shows up, I mean, the people are ready. But what shows up is Jesus. Humbly surprisingly identifying with the very people the king has come to reform, right? John's expecting to come in sort of like cleaning house and he'll do those things later, but he's coming in, right? Like wind and fire, ax in hand to sort of work his reform in the lives of his people. And instead what we get is Jesus identifying with the people that are supposed to be reforming. In fact, Jesus' first words are telling here, right? So having heard John, now we see Jesus and we're surprised. And what Jesus says in verse 15 is, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. There's a lot going on in this phrase, but I just would suggest it's interesting to hear it in light of John's sort of accusation of the religious people who came sort of trumpeting their own righteousness. And John says, your roads are just as crooked as everyone else. And now Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up willing to be baptized by John, the faithful one. And he's in sharp contrast to those religious leaders of a moment ago, those vipers, John called them. Jesus identifies with the people he's come to lead. He, he doesn't come sort of as we might expect, the God who sort of sweeps everyone before him in judgment. But he comes with the people who are themselves facing judgment, the people in need of repentance. Jesus comes and stands alongside and in place of and on behalf of them, on behalf of you. It's the heartbeat of the gospel in, in Matthew's telling of this portrait of Jesus. You'll hear it again and again as you think about the way in which he frames the story of Jesus. The good news is that the king is returning and that king is Jesus and he is identifying with his people, changing them, yes, but standing in for them in a way they could never stand historically nor still on or in or by themselves. It's a surprise to John. It's a surprise to the religious leaders whom John has challenged, right? For them, they expected whenever God would show up, this messianic expectation, he would be the mightier one. He would be the one who would secure militarily perhaps their, their place in the geopolitical scheme of, of things. He would return them to former days of glory. It's a surprise to them. He is here humbly identifying with us being baptized. And we're back again, not only to thinking about our expectations, but examining them. What expectations do you bring into this conversation? 
Which brings me to the last place, right? So having heard John, we see Jesus, and then seeing Jesus in this passage, it's interesting where Matthew takes us next. Seeing Jesus, we hear the Father. Verses 16 and 17, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. God is breaking his silence. This is my Son. Jesus is the King He's rescuing his people. He's reliving their history of failure, but he is doing it faithfully. He's come out of Egypt like the stories of old, and he's gone through the waters, and he's headed into the wilderness, which we'll consider next week. But he is the king, the father says, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This project John has been talking about of God returning to his people, even though it's hard to see and surprisingly unexpected, is happening in Jesus, it's worth noting. I read somewhere as I was preparing for this morning, the the question was raised, like, for whom is this voice? uh, For whom has this voice spoken in Matthew's story? For Jesus, sure, but he already knew, right? He was there to fulfill all righteousness, he said. He, He knew what he was about. John even knew a little bit, right? Like John, John knew like Jesus was unexpected, but he was looking at Jesus to be like he was expecting something, right? Uh, he knew. And the crowds have sort of faded into the background. And one author suggests that maybe this voice is intended for the reader, for Matthew's audience, that we would know, that his first hearers would know that when they look at Jesus, when they try to frame who he is, when they look at Jesus, they would hear the Father. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. When we see Jesus, we hear the Father. I I wonder what that message might mean for you and me this morning. I think we encounter all kinds of pictures of Jesus. I thought about throwing some up, but uh, I'm not going to do that this morning. But I wonder what sort of pictures you bring. Right? We, we, we hear Matthew tell us the story of Jesus. And as we encounter him along the way in Matthew's gospel, at every turn, you and I will be nudged to examine our own expectations. Our expectations of God, how he moves and works in the world. And, and we'll be nudged to make room for him to sort of move and operate in ways we did not expect. John, in this instance of Jesus' baptism, pulls us into that story in our own uh, way with a posture of expectation. Humble expectation that God will work in the world and in my life, oftentimes in ways I haven't anticipated. And and this could play out, I think, in a number of ways, and we'll consider some of them going forward. But I just maybe one sort of example of what this might feel like. Perhaps you, me, we sort of move through the world with the expectation, well, God's primary function is to kind of make me safe and secure. And yes, right, God does those things. He is a refuge, but he also calls us into active lives and in a world that is broken and crazy, right? right? There is this sort of tension, our expectation, perhaps God is here simply to meet my, meet my needs, but what we discover here, and as we'll see next week, right, Jesus is Relationship to the Father as the Son did not mean a life of ease. 
yet still he was God with his people. So I don't know what expectations you or I might have as we come into this place this morning. As we close, I just want to ask you to think about the frame. Like what kind of frame are you carrying? Your past experiences, your experiences uh, of Jesus along the way. And in this moment, allow John and his message to you and me to maybe speak to those expectations, to invite us to be surprised and startled, maybe even offended or humbled. We're going to take communion together. So I'm going to ask uh, Andrew to come on up, and we have a couple guys that are going to pass out uh, communion as we wrap things up. Uh, and so I, they're, they're going to give you a cup and bread and uh, just kind of hold on to those things, and then we'll eat and drink together as they're doing that um, I just uh, I want to invite you into a moment perhaps of reflection uh, you know for me this passage um, at least this time around takes me back to the table and I, my kid I, I just like Jesus this <laughs> and Jesus that that will be our move over these next weeks here as we sit with the Gospel of Matthew. As you receive bread and cup this morning, I just want to ask you to consider, again, the frames, the frame in your own life around faith, around your relationship to this story, this person. And maybe you have come into this moment uh, confident in your own righteousness. Right? You have showed up to church. It's negative five. You know, your faith is solid. You have shown up. Maybe you wouldn't say it like this, but confident in your own righteousness. I think the invitation to you and me in that place this morning is to hear John repent. Trust the righteousness of another. Hear the Father. Or maybe you're here this morning as you receive bread and cup. And maybe your own righteousness has left you tired and empty and alone. Right? Your, your, your grip on sort of holding those things together, on being enough, is, is, is tenuous at best. John's invitation, Matthew says, here, John, look at Jesus and receive the righteousness of another. And hear the Father in that moment. Maybe you're here this morning, and it's been a minute since you've even looked Jesus' direction. Right, church is a thing that's been a part of your life, uh, maybe off and on. You know, maybe it's a thing you kind of do out of rote, which is okay, right? Like, it's just, you're, but you're here, but you're like, I don't know if I've really looked. It's been a while, maybe, since I've really looked at Jesus. Maybe he's grown familiar. I think John's word to you and me is again the same. Ask or allow him to surprise you again, to look at him again, and to hear the Father. He can come on up. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler.
wherever you are in relationship to him. The invitation is the same. Look to Jesus. Look at him again. And when you do, hear your father. The affirmation he speaks over his son, hear it addressed to you because of the work of Jesus. To trust him, to set aside our own expectations and our own righteousness, to surrender to him and to hear the father that speaks to him speak to you as well. Because of what Jesus has done, identifying with you, with us, with his people, stepping into all the places that we have fallen and being faithful and righteous himself because of who he is, we hear the Father say things like, this is my beloved son and daughter in whom I am well pleased. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.